When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Alice Bag, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, first, I want to put out an apology to Nathaniel Noah. Uh, that whole uh, episode that we did last time was actually his idea. Uh, this was that, uh, what did I call it? Um, first, a guitar solo. Um, but he had he had said songs that start off with a, a killer guitar solo. And, uh, you know, I had solicited some help from McFeelin, and then I kind of lost the plot of, uh, of who suggested this in the first place. So it was Nathaniel. And uh, kind of a cool thing, he also, when he started off this list, mentioned that, um, you know, two examples that I did cite here, Metallica No Remorse, he says that the guitar solo started uh, 10 seconds in. Uh, Dinosaur Jr., I didn't cite this one, but uh, Dinosaur Jr. out there, seven seconds in. Merciful Fate, A Corpse Without Soul is uh, is almost the quintessential idea of this starting with a guitar solo because, uh, as Nathaniel mentions, it starts at two seconds in. Uh, man, boy, Jay Maskus, Dinosaur Jr., that's a band I gotta listen to to more uh, in the future, some more. I used to listen to them a lot. I, I had all those albums. I don't have them all anymore, but what a guitar player. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Frank Zappa and even Neil Young with this uh, this real noise Nick style, this almost parody of a heavy metal solo thing. So I, I bet there's other Dinosaur Jr. songs uh, that, that probably start with, uh, with a guitar solo. Okay, this episode uh, is episode 162. I'm calling it Concept Album Flops. Funny thing, I actually started this episode I was going to do uh, album flops and then I started getting all these cool categories of different ways to look at it and and one being concept albums and then as I started looking at all these concept albums I started even breaking that into categories so I figured we definitely have enough um, and I'm surprised I've, I, I, I you know word searched in my list of uh, episodes for concept and I apparently I haven't talked about concept albums much so and there's no episode on it so yeah this is about and and this is about flops but the funny thing is here, I, I, I don't want to just, you know, talk about these albums. Uh, I, I want to go a little further and say why I think they're flops. And in some ways, um, they're not always commercial flops. Sometimes they're critical flops. Sometimes it's the story. Sometimes it's the music. There's various ways the, these can be flops. And we might even have the odd one in here that is considered an absolute triumph. But I might want to mention a way that it uh, could be a bit of a flop. So, uh... Without further ado, let's play our first selection. This is Yes with The Revealing Science of God, in parentheses, Dance of the Dawn. 
Right, so uh, you have to start with uh, the most monumental, uh, you know, laughable, uh, critical flop of all time. Um, yes, Tales from Topographic Oceans. This came out December 7th, 1973. John Anderson, they were on uh, a Japanese tour and he had read Autobiography of a Yogi and came up with this crazy story. It's very, very religious and kind of creepy uh i'm looking at the gatefold now all a lot a lot of lyrics it's all in caps all caps so yeah a uh, one song per side so we've got uh how, how does this work out i'm gonna have to look at the records because it's even complicated side four is ritual 2135 side three is the ancient 1834 and side one is called uh, let's see, The Revealing Signs of God, 2027. That's what I played this excerpt from. And then side two is called The Remembering, 2038. But of course, when you go into the gatefold, they even screw that up. You've got you've got one, two, three. Actually, yeah, you've, you've still got the same titles, but you've got subtitles. Yeah, I've seen other titles come up for, for some of these, and yeah, Spotify kind of screws up the way this looks. Um, but yeah, so this is the, the first uh, studio album with Alan White. Bill Bruford has flown the coop. Rick Wakeman is in the band, but he was, he's was he been famously derisive of this album, and he quit after the tour. But yeah, it's a crazy album of four sides. Very, very mystical, hip, hippie, mumbo-jumbo, religious um you know, almost cultish. Uh, this is this is the most kind of culty feeling album uh, from this band. You know, the music on it. There's quite a bit of good music, but when it's just split into f uh, four tracks over four sides, uh, you know, you you kind of lose the plot musically speaking, let alone lyrically speaking. And again, yeah, this is this is considered one of the big flops. It's considered the most extreme, excessive progressive rock album and the reason punk had to happen and all that stuff a lot of yes fans like it it's it's quite well recorded there's a lot of great steve howe a guitar work on it uh, but yeah you could just forget about the lyrics there's some great there's some great melodies and things too in musical passages but it does meander you know obviously they had close to the edge before and they had um you know, relayers to come and, and really in, in certain respects, even the Yes album, the, the third album, um, th there are similarities between all these. There are a lot of long songs across these albums, but Yes surprisingly did not get conceptual all that out uh, that often. But when they did, you know, like this, this is basically considered the most notorious concept album. You know, I, I loosely want to call this category with the first track uh, convoluted stories. Um, and, and on that front, uh, you know, Zappa Thingfish, that's a crazy, crazy weird album, super long album. Um, and it's a, a lot of spoken word and it's just like a, like a nuts story. Um, but I, I find it kind of entertaining, but the fans hated it. You know, one of the reasons, um, it was quite derided is there's the re recycling of earlier Frank Zappa songs across it. And, you know, th this happens kind of regularly and even somewhat themes. But no, the, the story is, is very convoluted. But I also wanted to mention The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Now, you know, famously, I've probably said this before, but I've actually taken the polls and seen this. But famously, this record comes in as the second greatest prog album of all time after, yes, Close to the Edge. Um, but 
nobody's really all that into the story. The story is just really strange. Uh, people like the songs and the fact that it's broken nicely into songs. And so, so here we, so here's, here's why this isn't a flop. Um, the songs, the melodies, the structures of the songs, the songs don't feel particularly prog, um, or particularly, you know, elongated proggy, but also just the fact that um, everybody pays attention when you make a double album. So this is their first double album, so it's kind of a big deal. It's maybe the height of their powers with Peter Gabriel, right? Um, so it's, it's a really good album, but um, again, uh, on this theme of convoluted stories, nobody kind of quite understands what's going on and everybody who kind of really delves into it thinks it's it's all kind of silly um david bowie outside is another very complicated story and not considered you know one of the bowie albums anybody kind of pays a lot of attention to that's the other thing with concept albums right um you know basically what happens is um people find them daunting and find them a little bit just impenetrable and and uh, you have to put in this extra work to figure it out because in the back of your mind you're thinking well I got to kind of try to understand the whole story to really you know uh, you know get my enjoyment out of this album and outside is one of those it's just dense and it's a long complicated story um, you know a lot of words um, and on that front again you know going back to yes we've got John Anderson with uh, uh, Elias of Sun Hill is considered a, a crazy concept album you've got you know it's kind of a space story journey to a new world and Elias and there's this um, there's this big big kind of flying ship called the Moor Glade and then there's this Quo Qua Q guy he unites the four tribes of Sun Sun Hillow and all this I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit from what I uh, something I read on the net but uh, but yeah it, it had kind of the textured color in that and it was a gatefold and, and it was kind of cool so so he he loves going right into this whole thing but uh, but yeah what's uh, what do we got here for lyrics radan atta radan atta stow tu moto sha go take a sha go take a day uh, yeah pretty nuts so it's uh, it's almost like john anderson's shadow version of um of tales from topographic oceans um all right so let's move on to our next selection and a new category take a listen to this this is iron maiden with the prophecy Okay, so the category here uh, is a little bit like, I think I did an episode on um, be careful what you wish for, but it was more like um, wishing for one of your bands that is pretty heavy but not that heavy to really commit and do a heavy metal album, and then and then you're going, well, I guess I didn't really want that anyways. Um, same thing with prog albums. So, so Iron Maiden does a prog album, Seventh Son of, of the Seventh Son. You know, it's coming after Somewhere in Time, and basically critics weren't all that into it fans weren't all that into it now you know granted i've noticed that fans have really raised this one in their estimation over the years they're really liking it a lot more but i don't think the performances are very good i don't think the production's very good everything's kind of loose and this is the one that famously you know you you've seen the quote out there and i swear it you know one of one of the reasons you see this quote out there a lot is because 
Um, Bruce said it to me, and I've seen myself quoted on this from my own talk with Bruce, but I remember Bruce saying, uh, you know, we finished this album and put out, and then Queensryche put out Operation Mindcrime, and then I put my, I had my head in my hands saying, that's the record we should have made. So the fact of the matter is, they get to a concept album, but they kind of just rush the concept. It's uh, it's not all that well put together. Nobody knows like like you know quite what the storyline in. It's kind of a culty, um, but it just seems kind of tossed off. And then and then basically Maiden's Thunder is taken by you know the the other second wave you know neo prog metal band Queensrÿche who put out this masterpiece Operation Mindcrime right. So that's uh, that's like you know this idea of uh, be careful what you wish for you know fans would have said well wouldn't it be cool you know maiden maiden should do a concept album they've kind of been doing mini concept albums all the time so again part on on the, all this whole thing well okay so here's here's the last thing i want to say about this i think in the long run we're we're almost happy it's not as conceptual as as most concept albums are you know with long songs maybe some narration maybe some short little intro pieces maybe a part one part two recurring themes so we're actually happy that that it it is just a collection of songs i think in the long run anyways also part of this uh, idea of be careful what you wish for um well, this is the first one's a little bit oddball, but Kiss the Elder. Um, you know, I don't think we would have particularly been wishing for a Kiss concept album, but, you know, they, they reunited with Bob Ezrin because, uh, you know, they actually made Destroyer and then fired Bob Ezrin after that because it was kind of savaged in the press to begin with, and they thought it was Bob Ezrin's fault, and frankly, you know, Bob Ezrin you know, really drew, drove the direction of that album. He's quite a task, taskmaster, master, and he, he, he really rode Ace and Peter hard. Gina Paul were appreciative of it, but basically, um, they fired him. And, uh, after, uh, after kind of like the, the career waning and things not going so great, they decided, oh, let's give him another chance. We'll, we'll check him out. And Bob says, oh, we'll deliver it. You know, and the other thing is Bob Ezrin, uh, has been known for, there was Lou Reed Berlin, um, not so much with Alice Cooper. Um, well, I mean, I guess I guess we have uh, "Welcome to My Nightmare" when he goes solo. That's nineteen seventy four, I believe, and then you know, which is considered a good um, concept album, probably Alice Cooper's best. But also Pink Floyd, The Wall. Um, you know, that was an, an incredible. There's there's been whole books written on on Pink Floyd, The Wall. But anyway, so Kiss does it, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of you know dies like a lead balloon sort of thing people think it's overly pretentious there's too much mellow stuff maybe even the heavy stuff is too heavy um there's instrumental stuff it just uh you know it 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 didn't go over well nobody sort of thinks of kiss in these in these you know well uh, we haven't said the word yet pretentious ways right uh, of making concept albums it just didn't fit the band in any way again on the Pete, be careful what you wish for judas priest nostradamus um, you know, this is quite a ridiculed, derided album. They made a double album. It's got that weird Glenn Tipton production sound that he was kind of into around Baptism of Fire, and they, they kind of repeated it on Redeemer of Souls. Um, but it just seemed like the story wasn't good enough. I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote you know, uh, high school reports on Nostradamus in, uh, yeah, high school, yeah, in, in late high school. And, you know, it, you, you have to believe the story, I guess, on, uh, you know, are these quatrains really you know all that good and uh prescient of what's going on or do you have to read a lot into them because they're written kind of really flowery right but anyway so so they do this whole thing and then it's like well you know 
all along the way, any any self-respecting Priest fan would have said, oh man, wouldn't it be great if Priest did a concept album? Uh, and then they do, and then no one likes it. Um, Dio Magica, same kind of thing. Dio, oh yeah, it would be cool if he does a concept album one day. And again, um, the story is just a little bit too uh, all these sort of things that Dio's kind of covered off before, so it's not particularly fresh there's a lot of narration there's even like a story that's the other thing when you when you have a lot of lyrics and then you even have to add to it with narration i i think it really uh puts almost too much work on the backs of the listeners to get into it and plus both of these nostradamus and magica had too much sort of slow and mid-paced stuff um not not into ex- nothing too exciting uh didn't have any huge chorus hooks or a lot of really good standalone songs that uh, you know that that could be hit singles or something you could actually see on a 45 or a single. So so that's going to hurt it as well. And one other I want to mention, you know, I was blown away and bowled over by Rush Clockwork Angels when it came out, and a lot of people really do like that album. But I think um, all the love people have for that album is a it's the last Rush album, but b it was pretty darn heavy. And, um, you know, it's got Nick got a good kind of swing out of Neil Peart on the drums. So he's he's really his drumming has a lot of vivacity to it and a lot of boominess. And so so the band is really like spirited and playing playing well. And um, and it's quite heavy. Now, I I'm not crazy about the way Rush thinks about heavy, heavy rock anywhere past really the 70s. Um, so when they do rock heavy, it's it's kind of there's really not thinking in heavy metal zone, but that's a whole nother discussion. The problem with it was the convoluted story. I think the story Neil tried to cram way too much into the story. We also had you know the book it was based on. We've got narration in it. It was just way too much to swallow. But the good thing about the record is. Rush were very good at making those standalone songs that were all quite different from each other. Um, I don't think there's any recurring themes anywhere. I mean, musically. And uh, I, I think you just get a whole bunch of good bashing Rush songs. Uh, and oddly enough, songs that don't really feel all that particularly um, conceptual. Um, they, they they do feel like, yeah, they, they feel like the band going in and bashing out these cool garage rocky songs. So I think musically it's very, it's ironic that it's quite a long ways from conceptual, but it's it's amazing to think Rush went this long, uh, right to the end without making a concept album because people lazily call 2112 a concept album or Hemisphere is a concept album when they have concept sides, right? That's the whole deal with those. So anyways, uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's better H-E-L-P 
ko-op.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection and we shall discuss. This is Pete Townsend with Let's Get Pretentious. Let's get excited. Okay, so the Who, Pete Townsend. This is uh, this is something that uh, kind of interesting that came up when we did the Contrarians episode on all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. Uh, myself with Ralph Chapman, and he made an interesting point that the albums got less interesting and yes, and less useful to himself and really to me as well. Um, when Pete became less less and less autobiographical with what he was doing. I love Empty Glass. I love All the Best Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes. It starts going downhill with White City, which is somewhat autobiographical itself. Um, it actually is quite autobiographical, but the fact of the matter is, it's it's almost like a just slightly less cool version of all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. You know, subconsciously, uh, I might make that comparison even more because I think the album covers looks look similar. Um, but it's got a bunch of great songs in their standalone songs. But there is a conceptual nature to it. But Pete also does I, the Iron Man, and he also does this album that this came from, Psycho Derelict, featuring Ray High. He's a washed-up uh, alcoholic musician, and he's kind of coaxed back into the music industry. He talk, starts talking to this female DJ, and there's, there's you know, narration. Um, the songs aren't that great. Nobody even remembers uh, pretty much any of the songs from here, and it's and it just becomes this sort of soft death of. Uh, of this amazing, amazing solo career that Pete started so well. I mean, the start is in the '70s, but the, but the greatness is is Empty Glass and all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. So so this happens, um, and you know, just to mention, of course, um, maybe maybe there's a little bit of the idea. I think the main idea is that Pete is so arresting emotionally when he's being autobiographical because he, he's had an amazing passion-filled life in so, in so many different ways. He's just lived life on the edge uh, kind of his whole life and, and this super creative life. So that's why those two albums, uh, 80 and 82, I believe, uh, are, are so amazing. But of course, he has a big history with this. Um, you know, Tommy is a funny one to me. Uh, is, is that a flop? No. I mean, it's considered you know, the first rock opera, one of the greatest um, concept albums of all time. It was a massive hit. It's got all sorts of hit singles on it. But I find that story creepy and convoluted as well. Quadrophenia is a funny one in that it's it's not so particularly critically acclaimed, but I think the story hangs together well. Some people think the music is a little bit samey and plodding throughout it. There are some recurring musical themes and stuff on it, but I think it's a fantastic story. It's probably one of my favorite stories for a prog album. You know, the other one that's my favorite prog album for story is Fear of a uh, Fear of a Blank Planet uh, by Porcupine Tree. You know, about about like British kids sitting watching TV and taking antidepressants and just being bored with life, the ennui of, you know, growing up in rainy, rainy Britain. Uh, but that's a, that's an amazing album and supported by such great music. But so, so maybe from Pete, another aspect is, um, you know, does he do this too often? Um, is it a crutch? Uh, is it because people keep 
you know, glorifying the genius of him as a writer of rock operas? Um, is it because he can keep going on tour and bringing out Quadrophenia and Tommy and playing those? And then there's plays of them and ballets and stuff like that. So does he have rock opera too much on the brain, right? Um, and what do you think of this term rock opera versus concept album? I don't know. I I, uh, I think the whole idea of a rock opera is even worse than a concept album. I would rather, I, I, think, you, I think you're going to end up with better results if you do a concept album versus doing a rock opera. But, uh, but yeah, he had Lifehouse as well, which was even more convoluted there's a convoluted story even parts of endless wire are 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 rock opera or concept albumy um you know a lot of bands come to think of it you think a lot of bands get into this autobiographical concept album where you say oh let's just write it write a story about my life as a rock star and there's a lot of those out there right uh because i'm going to mention one alice cooper detroit stories uh alice cooper is a guy with a lot of these albums from the inside is that is that a concept album flop it kind of is didn't sell that well um critics don't like it it's it's very um you know hats off to sydney taylor for loving this album and naming her podcast after it but um you know it is um it's kind of, uh, you know, it's it's very easy listening as well. Uh, you know, is Alice Cooper Goes to Hell a concept album? Not really. Um, Spider's Lullaby certainly is. Brutal Planet, uh, The Last Temptation, Dragon Town. So Alice really does this a lot. And uh, can you say some of them are flops? You definitely can because there's, you know, I think a lot of these concept albums are some of his least appreciated albums. So it is hard to make a concept album and not have it be a flop of, of one type or another. Kansas has done this. Styx has done them. Like I say, Porcupine Tree's done them. The Incident, right? Uh, that as well. Um, so yeah, we've got, uh, uh, that's, uh, that, that's essentially, you know, this is, I, this this one doesn't really have a category, but it's like these are bands that do it a lot of times. So I guess the theme is um, bands that ha have done it a lot of times. Uh, all right, let's move on to our uh, track four here. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Pink Floyd with your possible pasts. <laughs> Okay, uh, category here. Would you call this concept albums where um, it just doesn't feel like the music was very good? I mean, we've we've kind of mentioned a few of those along the way, but but I guess the point is is you can botch a concept album. It's kind of a combination because it's also a too many times. Have we heard Pink Floyd go to this concept album well? too many times i mean they are so celebrated for their concept albums dark side of the moon is considered one of the greatest albums of all time wish you were here animals the wall i mean just that run it's it's definitely the greatest run of concept albums that aren't flops um concept albums that are hits i think we can give the prize to pink floyd come to think of it um but they ended off with this one where there's all this animosity it's more or less a roger waters solo album uh even it's it it has this life um, or this narrative as being kind of leftover things from the wall. So it just feels like, uh, you know, the demos of the wall in, in some ways. Uh, musically, there's a lot of orchestration and super quiet bits and stuff. So it doesn't have the, the, the sort of uh, adherence to, you know, rock and roll standards that you hear on Pink Floyd, The Wall, which frankly, people are, people are saying a lot of bad things about The Wall lately. People aren't that crazy about that album lately. Um, 
but yeah um so so is the music not very good is the is the lyrics uh you know people complained about the theme and it's just too much about you know world war ii and too much roger and not not enough of the band uh you know other ones that are kind of botched by the by the music i think lou reed berlin is not a very um you know appreciated album and you know here i am a massive blue oyster cult fan i did that book flame and telepaths imaginos expanded and specified i love the whole imaginos story um but there wasn't much to the story and it was squeezed onto this imaginos album and then the song order was changed and then the music was made over a long period of time with a lot of players with varying production values uh, a remake of astronomy um so there's this there's this idea uh, with that album that people don't like it it's just kind of botched you know Albert went a long ways to kind of fixing it up and doing two separate albums where he really thought about the story so he did he did this reimaginos situation and reimaginos too um, but yeah in its original um, is it a, a flop it certainly is a flop it didn't sell very well at all uh, no one cared uh, when it came out there was really no band um, the band was all kind of fighting and there's all these legalities of putting together is it was it going to be an Albert solo album is it a Sandy thing um, so yeah that's that's kind of crazy we had um, you know along this line as well maybe a little bit of solo guys doing this we have Robert Calvert with uh, Lucky Leaf uh, and then uh, Captain Lougheed and the Starfighter so he did this thing about you know World War II fire planes as well so so yeah the troubled, troubled Robert Calvert uh, you know Hawkwind has concept albums as well um, but yeah these are not that that well received another notoriously bad received one you know again when yes went away and did all those solo albums patrick Moratz, the story of i um you know this is uh here's to, here's to quote I, I this might have been, might have been ultimate rock i i believe uh maybe classic rock based around the story of a group of hotel guests who decide to sell their souls in the pursuit of pleasure and enlisting such musical greats as ray gomez guitar and alphonse uh, muzon drums the story of i intertwine a host of world music sounds with Moratz's own prodigiously progressive inclinations it you didn't have to go bankrupt uh, performing on ice to be a keyboard ma maestro. He's referring to Rick Wakeman, who's another one who does a lot of this stuff. And he did he did the thing on, on ice. Which was it? Was it Six Wives? Um, anyways, he gets derided for the whole Six Wives of Henry VIII uh, concept album thing. Another another big concept album flop, as an example, is is Chris Gaines and the whole Garth Garth Brooks situation when he became an alter ego and put out this album and confused everybody. He sold so many records, but this thing was kind of a flop. Uh, Jethro Tull Passion Play, I suppose you could say, not one of the more well respected ones. Stevie Wonder Secret Life of Plants, um, Billy Idol Cyberpunk. Remember when that thing came out? People hated that. Um, all right. Let's move on to our last category here. Take a listen to this. This is Queensryche with One Foot in Hell. John is another man's trash. And Mary was more than a whore. And every day I pray I remember more. I become something you wouldn't believe. Okay, so this is where this is from Operation Mind Crime 2 kind of an underrated album people really didn't like this album um but i think it's got some some really good you know kick-ass metal on it um but the band was certainly really fighting by this point it's more a jeff tate and mike stone album with a lot of outside players and a lot of the band not being involved it's kind of the seeds of uh, it, uh the band really breaking down and really having trouble um but the theme here is 
the sequel is never received as as good as the first one um and i've got some examples here but yeah so before we move on to that you know this is uh people love operation mindcrime but they come back and do operation mindcrime too it's kind of cool pamela moore comes back as sister mary and we've even got ronnie james dio in as dr x but yeah so this is the category of reprises we've got welcome to my nightmare 2 which was badly received, um, you know, from Alice Cooper because Welcome to My Nightmare, it's my favorite Alice Cooper album, either band or solo. Um, and this was not that well received, you know, Welcome to My Nightmare, they even put a two in the middle. And then they, the cover art was like just a photo version of something, you know, which before was that aw awesome uh, Drew Struzan, you know, Ernie Cephalou Pacific Eye and Ear artwork. You know, King Diamond, Abigail too. Um, meatloaf bad out of hell too um so it, it's just the the idea here is you know abigail too is actually quite well, well received people like that and of course abigail is considered one of one of the greatest albums of theirs but um but yeah so um so the these these number twos uh you know maybe if if you've got any examples on the facebook i mean let let me know which uh you know which are are considered pretty cool um in terms of um because now i'm thinking of one halloween keepers keepers two and keepers one are both pretty much neck and neck well regarded as as great records um so there you go there's our concept album flops and like i say most of these didn't do well in the marketplace some of these did well critically we've talked about a lot of albums concept albums people love but most of them you know the back is up people are are you know more or less inclined to uh to make fun of it and ridicule it <laughs> more than anything so it's very easy to make a concept album flop i would say 80 percent of them are are well 80 percent of them are flops in probably two or three ways uh and probably 90 percent of them are are flops in at least one direction sort of thing um so there you go if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to kofi uh rhymes with no fee.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint i've actually gone three weeks i think now without without putting out the Facebook reminder uh, to this, uh, which was kind of a big mistake because the list is kind of short, but thank thank you, uh, you guys, for, for being uh, loyal supporters. We've got Joe Becht, uh, Black Plastic, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, and Augustin Garcia de Prides. Uh, this week after this episode goes out, I probably should send out uh, the little Facebook reminder thing. But yeah, this is the main way this uh, this podcast is supported. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of keeping it specific to this. And they've got the button there. Yeah, you hit three bucks or six bucks or whatever, double it. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for the Ko-Fi support so far since I've been doing this thing. Um, if you want to see, I got the new prints in of all those pictures I've been doing. So now there are 50 prints that I have of, you know, 50 originals that are just the, the portraits. You can see all 50 of those at artpal.com. And you can see the the crazy ads I was doing at martinpopoff.ca. And I've got most of those as prints as well. And martinpopoff.com for all the books. Um, you know, when you get this message, uh, if I've been telling you not to order the David Bowie book from me, you can go ahead and do that now because it looks like uh, this week I'm going to be getting them in a little earlier than planned, apparently. Um, so yeah, the the Bowie, uh, I'll send out some notices about that when I actually see them. I probably shouldn't have said anything because it breaks my rule that I always say, uh, I'm, I'm not selling these things until I see heavy boxes across the floor. Um, but And I don't see that now, but apparently they've been shipped. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, hope you like this. And I think I may have some other album flop episodes to come because uh, there were a lot of cool examples as I was making my notes. Talk to you later.
Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.